Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 42, From Trauma to Healing the Mother Wound. Carrie Hummingbird is a soul guide and the host of the Soul Nectar Show and is an international best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, and the award-winning best-selling book, Awakening to Me, One's Woman's Journey to Self-Love, which describes the early years of her spiritual awakening. She inspires people to lead their lives wide open with an authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. She evokes mind shifts that transform life challenges into gifts of wisdom. Her newest book, already a bestseller, is called Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound. In today's episode, Carrie and I talk about love, wounds, our path of of healing, parenting, and so much more. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. I am so excited to be here with Carrie Hummingbird. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm so good, Karina. Thank you for having me here. Nice. So we always start the podcast talking about the love lesson and what your what a love lesson is. It's essentially a time in your life, an experience, a, a sequence of events that have essentially made you go deep within yourself to shift and transform into the person you are today. And in that transformation, you decided to be of service to the world and to bring forth the experience you have to teach others. And I would love to hear what your love lesson is. Absolutely. Well, my lesson has been that love is fierce, that love is unwavering and unconditional, and that love is going to ask us each to really dig deep, dig really deep inside of ourselves to understand how we are 100% responsible for creating our reality and our interactions with others. So in a pragmatic sense, the story is that I've been out as a messenger for probably about about a, eight years now, nine years, since a big transformative event in my life. And in the last three years was sort of the um, PhD program part of that curriculum. <laughs> like it was the deep end of the ocean part of that curriculum. And it was when my dad died. So my dad who has been with me since I was about five years old. Um, he was the knight in shining armor kind of dad, you know, the dad that swoops in and helps you love yourself and helps the mom and the kids and is like, I'm, I'm 100% here for you. I'm, I love you. I'm guiding you. And yeah, I had that dad and I kind of deserve that dad after the first seven years of my life. It was not quite that way, my first five to seven years. So Um, anyway, he passed away. And when he passed away on his deathbed, I made one of those deathbed promises. And I told my dad, I promise you, I'm going to love mom unconditionally. I promise that you don't have to worry about her. I'm going to take care of her and I'm going to figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. 
Now, I made that promise against the backdrop of several years of uh, being a messenger, doing deep healing and getting out and talking about my own journey of healing, which my mom didn't really want me to be doing. She was not happy with me talking about my early childhood traumas. She wasn't happy with me talking about personal life situations or family situations. And there was a lot of hurt feelings. So when I made that promise, um, that was a big promise to make, to step into his shoes, you know, that mountain of unconditional love and to be that. So my whole family kind of fell apart for a little while because he wasn't there to hold it together. And there was a lot of um, family bullying and um, just difficult dynamics. Definitely, I'm a mom, so for my two sons who were teenagers at the time, and now they're 18 and 21, it was really rough. And um, the way that the family pulled apart and got divisive. Uh, So I knew that the solution was within me. It was up to me. I had to um, dig deep and find a way to heal myself so that I could create the opportunity for my relationship with my mom to be different, which would create the opportunity for the family dynamic to change as well. Right. You know, because that's how it works. I mean, matriarchs are actually matriarchs, whether we want to call them that or not. They have a lot of influence over how things go in a family. They do. So I'm a matriarch and my mom's a matriarch. And when the matriarchs fight, the family fights. Yeah. So that's been, that's been a three-year journey of like deep dive exploration about why do I feel this way about my mom? Mm-hmm. Why is it hard for me to talk to her? Why do I have these stories that she, you know, she doesn't care or this or that? Why am I noticing these outcomes? How am I contributing to those outcomes? What have I been doing that's been adding to this? And how can I express myself and have my voice and my truth and also respect and honor the sovereignty of each of my family members as a messenger? And I'm sure you're aware of this conversation because you're a messenger. Mm. It's a tough conversation. It's a hard one. Yeah. So, I mean, we're out here for people that we serve who are going through things that we're going through privately and we're called to speak about it publicly to be a support for others. And yet then our own families are also part of this messenger platform, whether they want to be part of it or not. Right. So then how do we, how do we negotiate that? So that's been an, that's been a lot of work for, so for the past three years, three and a half years, a little bit more now, um, I've been doing deep dive work on myself and asking myself, where am I contributing to this? What stories do I hold that, that add to this energetic? What have I not forgiven? What am I still resentful and angry about? What am I holding over from the past? You know, and what misunderstandings have I held on to that actually were a fabrication of my mind? You know, like, so in this process, what I found is a lot of information about how, um, the way our collective has operated for the past thousands of years has disempowered women, has abused women, has shunned them, has made us ashamed of our bodies, ashamed of ourselves, has made it hard for us to talk to each other and trust each other, has introduced manipulation as a way to get power. Mm -hmm. There's so many dynamics in the collective that are only there because of this power over 
matrix of disempowering, dishonoring, and subjugating women. So as I started to dive into this work at a spiritual level and really deep dive, and this is on the heels of, you know, another seven years before that of working on myself energetically and another two decades in the psychotherapy couch, like weekly, right? So this is like a lifelong process, (laughs) you know, I wanted to say. Um, I realized that I, I'm like a spider. And when I tell my stories, I weave webs. And when I weave webs, I trap other people up in these webs because that's what, that's what spiders do. We weave webs and we, we trap each other in these stories. Mm -hmm. So I can either tell beneficial stories and create beneficial outcomes for myself and others, or I can tell not so beneficial stories and create suffering. Mm -hmm. So it's been a big process of healing and the coolest part about it is the realization of quantum physics and how we're manifesting our reality all the time. The observer creates the observed through the perspective from which the observer is observing the observed. So I'm observing my mother through a certain perspective. Right. I'm creating the observed expected product. Even though she's a separate person, that aspect of her that I'm expecting to see is going to show up because I'm expecting to see it because I've already decided it's so. And then as I took a leap of faith and I let go of those perceptions and I introduced a little curiosity, like maybe it's not actually that way. Yeah. You know, maybe she's not really like that. Maybe I made that up. Maybe she's had some behaviors like that, but maybe that's not the total sum of her existence. As I started introducing higher and higher vibrational ways of telling the story and higher, higher vibrational ways of perceiving, I created a new reality where my mom and I now show up together as new people learning about each other. And all that old tension I used to feel in my body is gone. I don't feel that way. And she, it feels safe. Because I'm not like lugging around this like cartloads of resentments mm-hmm. that were based on stories that I created in my mind that weren't all true and certainly not from her perspective. So now I'm in this situation where I'm, I'm hanging out with my mom and I got exactly what I wanted. I mean, I have an awesome mom, you know, and I'm like, yeah. wow, this is cool. Like, you know, and my mom wants to learn about her gene keys and she wants to find out about her, you know, her soul curriculum. And like, I never, that would have never happened before. Mm-mm. Ever. No, I, I, you know, the thing about love that I feel like the aspect of it that I don't think people realize is the acceptance. It's that everybody on the world, in the world wants to feel accepted and wants to feel seen, wants to feel validated and wants to feel like they're okay. And, and when we're in pain, we're projecting our pain on others, which can be perceived as judgment, anger, frustration, et cetera, et cetera. And then they're hurt thinking that you're doing something, you know, it just becomes this mess. And when you drop all of that and you come from a place of love, it softens another person's walls because they're like, well, it's like you kill them a kindness, you know, you're kind of like, well, it's like eventually they soften because they're like, well, you're loving me and you're loving me and you're loving me at some point. 
the other person drops it because they feel safe enough to do so and they feel accepted. And that's just such a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, but it takes that person to be courageous enough to drop it and to love first to create the healing. Exactly. I had to change my stories I was telling about her. So as I was writing the book, I was evolving myself, right, through the writing of the book, which I think is just, for me, it really works. It's a strategy I've used several times on my, my healing journey. I've been called to like, okay, write the whole process, like write the book, start at the beginning, write the process and go through. Mm -hmm. And this was another one of those books. And it was like, I would have these realizations like, oh, oh, maybe I started that story because it was pretty traumatic, you know, two to five. And my mom had to protect herself with this man that was very violent, right? And she had to do some things and she had to speak some things to keep me safe. That felt like punishment, right? And then in my mind got started this story that I couldn't trust her or something was off, mm -hmm. right? But it was only from her needing to protect me. So I started really opening and opening and opening. And for me, what helped was to, um, I looked up her gene key chart. It's not, I love gene keys. It's like my current way of understanding myself and others. And it's all based on astrology, like when you were born. And I went and looked it up and I looked up hers and I was like, wow, like she's dealing with this shadow and that shadow and this one and that one. And oh my gosh, it's a huge curriculum. And I was like, I had compassion for her. And I got to see also like how it was a gift for me. Mm -hmm. Because my mom has these shadows. She's got the shadow of struggle and a shadow of provocation. And so all my whole life growing up with her, I was always like mindful of how I was speaking something because she could detect the slightest little bit of arrogance or the slightest little bit of back talk in my voice. Like, mm -hmm. she, and I, it would be like, I thought it was so, so, so subtle and she would just be all over it, you know, like, how dare you disrespect me? And, you know, like, oh. So, yeah, you know, people are born to sensitive people. Yeah, totally. But it taught me like it taught me so much. And now in my work as a as a mentor, as a as a healer, like I'm really tuned into the nuances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can. And that helped me. So actually, that served me mm -hmm. to be born to somebody who had that gift. And I also am a button pusher. You know, it's <laughs> in my chart. But as you know, as I tell from from being with you, like, you know, as a mentor, we have to push those buttons, but we do it from a different place. We do it from love. Right. And when you push that button just right at the right time with just the right amount of love, it like it opens up and somebody's heart opens and they get love. Mm -hmm. They really understand themselves. Yeah. That's a huge gift to know how to do that. It is. You know, is. and you wouldn't I mean, have been able to do it unless you, it, you had the opposite growing up i feel like a lot of the times a lot of the healers that i speak to and a lot of people that are on this path of discovering who they are mostly had these traumatic childhoods where they had to learn certain ways of being and i think our soul needed those lessons to be able to do the work that we do as an adult but there's no way as a child that we can see this is what our future is this is what we need to go through so we can be able to stand in our power at a later time in our life. We're just feeling like we're suffering. And so that's why it's so important to like not hold on to things because we just don't know what the bigger picture is. Exactly, yeah. we don't know how at all of it. And that's what I learned also in the book is that uh, it was a greater appreciation mm 
mm-hmm. for the majesty of this divine orchestration we're part of right. that, you know, you can call it whatever name you want. You can call it God, you can call it goddess, you can call it great mother, you know, whatever you want, whatever word you want to use, but it's that, that consciousness that is teaching us all the time. And it has our back to learn the lessons yeah, and puts us together, you know, in these configurations, like moment by moment, situation by situation, choice by choice to be right in that present moment where you need that lesson. And there it is. Mm -hmm. I have such a huge appreciation for that. Now it's like, well, I'm right where I need to be. Like, this is great. Yeah. It's definitely better to be an adult for sure, where you can start to like put all the pieces together and understand it. Whereas a child, it just doesn't, there's nowhere for it to go other than to get stuffed somewhere in our psyche or in our body until it's ready to come out. And that's, it's, I mean, and love is part of, part of that process. I feel like when you love yourself or you allow someone to love you and have that exchange, it allows that softening that happened with your mom, where you're able to really start to heal on a deep level. And it, and it, it's like, it can be fascinating. I know um, a lot of people get nervous when you hear the word shadow work mm-hmm. you know they're like oh i don't want to go down there i don't want to open that door i don't want to find that stuff right it's kind of mm-hmm. oh it feels oppressive and overwhelming like when you've just been shoving stuff in the closet so long it it is a little overwhelming at first but but then it gets to this place where you know i've been i've been at that part of my journey for about like eight years now or 10 years i don't know somewhere in there mm-hmm. Now in the last like couple of years, it's like, oh, I actually really enjoy those realizations. I don't know if you are, you look like you have the same feeling about well, it. Well, I feel like it's not that I, I, I mean, it's more like exciting that I'm seeing it and I could shift it and it can move out. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't know you have rats in your house, you're just living with rats in your house. But then when you figure it out, it's disgusting. And you're like, ugh. but then when you get rid of it, you're like, oh, it's out. It's gone thank God it's out. And that's how I feel about it. It's like, I'm not excited about it, but once you know it, once you see it, it's like, boom, let's get it out of here. (laughs) So that's kind of how I feel about it. And then once it's out, it's so liberating and you, you get so much of your soul and your heart back that that becomes like the fuel to know that, okay, I know I could feel this good, even though I have to go through that pain. I know I'm going to get out the other side with more love in my heart, more light in my being and more expressiveness that I could share with others. And so I just focus on the results. And that's what, so even if I'm in the thick of it, I could still be like, I know it's going to get better. I know know it's coming. Yeah. I just know (laughs) the sun is coming. Right. So, and before (laughs) when I was younger going through shadow stuff, I would just, it would just feel like it was never ending. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's when I was going through depression and things, you know, then, then it feels like it's never going to end. And when I was able to break out of that, now it's like, if I have a moment of depression, I know it's only temporary and I trust it. I'm like, okay, I have to go, I have to go through this, but I know tomorrow it's going to be a better day and the next day is going to be better. So I feel like once you can hold on to that, then it makes it a lot easier. So the shadow work becomes, I wouldn't say fun, but it's definitely like, inspire inspiring at least for me yeah it's in to me it's inspiring like i'm at this place now with it where um i'm really good at navigating my inner terrain so i'm able to um access parts of me from my childhood that previously i didn't know existed they were always operating but i was kind of clueless to it now i'm able to access that and i'm able to access my higher frequencies my higher self like i'm channeling texts all the time so i've 
messages just come out my mouth, you know, that kind of thing. Like I've had that access open. Mm -hmm. So now in the space in the middle is like me as the person I am today is a mom, you know, got an 18 and 21 year old, like a stepmom to younger kids. Like that woman in the middle has such access to so much information and so much ability to make sense of things. I think for me um, and many women who have been trained that in order to have value, we have to be smart and we have to like be overachievers and we have to have like tons of certifications and degrees and prove our, prove our worth and all of this. In that, in that way of being, what became important for me was to understand things. And once I can understand them, I can, I can have total compassion for things, right? Mm-hmm. So I love opening up to the curiosity of it. Like this week, I had um, my son, my 18 year old's graduating from high school this week. And I had some things come up for me inside, like some fears and some things. Um, And I was concerned about, you know, being loved or being accepted or being wanted at the graduation, for example. And there wasn't any really reason for me to think that way, right? So it was sort of an irrational thing. So I was able to go into that irrationality and go, what's this? Like, where's that coming from? And I was able to make some associations inside of me to different aspects of my being that had different messages, like things that traumatically happened in my childhood. I realized there was a huge association with the person from my childhood with my former husband. I was like, whoa, like to me, that was a gold nugget, right? Yeah. Like, wow, I was associating those two people in my mind. No wonder I was having fear. Okay. And then I was able to use my, my medicine and my love to bring to that inner child and go, hey, sweetie, that's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's not happening anymore. And when I was able to heal that aspect, then I was able to be in my wise woman and go, my son's got this. My son is wise. My son is loving. My son can love everybody. My son is a stand for good relationships. He's fine. Don't have any fear. Right. You know, but I couldn't do that from this other place, this fear place. So it's like that inner reconciliation process. We can all get really good at that. And I feel like there's, it opens up new potentials. Now that I've healed that, who knows how things are going to shift, right? So then I'm also curious and excited about that because I've seen it happen over and over again, like with my mom, where when I changed one of those stories or I released some of the energy or I brought healing to this aspect of myself, things started showing up differently in my external reality. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of sitting back like, oh, I wonder what, you know, (laughs) I wonder how that will change some things. Exactly. That's what I feel like working on those dark parts of ourselves gives us. It gives us back gifts and gives us, we start to remember who we truly are. And that is a being of love, of light, of kindness and compassion. And I think that is like what it's all about, like being able to just remember that and keep going towards and getting deeper into that space and allowing the forgiveness and the letting go and letting go of all that stuff, which is hard, which is, you know, it's a process. It's a a continuous, non-ending process. Even if you think you're evolved, there's always more. It's like a never- There's always more. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you can't control other people. So I know that in the hearts of most light workers, people have, you know, feel they're here for, for create more love and light in the world. It's like, well, how are we going to do that? Because there's a whole lot of other stuff, like people are holding grudges and being entrenched and not listening and being angry. And it looks like it's a hot mess. And how are we ever going to get there? Because everyone's fighting and, you know, it's polarities. And you could start to get into that place where you feel like this is just freaking hopeless, right? 
But then I feel like in the midst of all that, to have a, a, an actual life, like to have a lived experience of shifting a relationship through love is the proof that it is the answer. Like this is the only answer and it's hard work. So it is hard. You know, it's hard to let go of those stories, mm -hmm. especially if you get something from it. Like I had asked myself, well, what do you get from having that story about the father of your kids? How is that serving you or your children to have that story? Is that helping? Or is that creating more division? Is that creating more problems? And that's one of the messages that came out in the book was that when we have children, we're merging with another, like another human ancestral lineage and we have children together, those children, their bodies are a connection point between these two, their two parents. So if the parents are at war, the child's body is at war because it's not, you know, it's like these two people are not getting along and then they're merging DNA and they're having this, this child has an embodiment of both lineages. It's, it causes a lot of problems for the people, the children in the middle. So I realized I didn't want that to happen for either one of my kids. So I committed to the work and it's not like, um, you have to wait for somebody else to do the work either. Right. Like, oh, well, I'll do it when they do it. No, like if you're called to do it and you're the one that sees the potential for doing it, I realized I was that person. It was my responsibility. And then I had these voices that came up and said, well, that's not fair. Why should I be the only one that does this work? That's not fair. How come? Right. And I, <laughs> and I had to realize um, through this work on this book, like, oh, it's fair. It's totally fair. It's not equal, but it's fair. It's fair that I have to do this work because it's my curriculum. I came here to, to be a leader of light. I came here to be a light worker. I came here to be a healer. I signed up for that when it came in. That's my curriculum. I don't know what everybody else signed up for and it's not my business yeah. place to judge, right? Like, yeah. So, that, you know, it's interesting because they're always the healers of the family. You know, some families have multiple healers, but there's always a person in the family that pretty much holds the lineage of the family and heals that. And like what you were saying with the two parents, that's a very good point. And that's a good perspective because I'd never thought about it because my parents fought my whole life. And I was always like this, you guys should just separate because this isn't good for anybody. But they had that old school mindset of we're staying together for the kids but I felt like they did more damage to us staying mm. together than, and, mm -hmm. so, and I, so for me, it was like, how could I heal that within myself, the pain of seeing people not being happy and being not fighting all the time and creating that unhappy living space and creating like healing that within myself and then healing my relationship with my brothers and my parents, like separate and apart and just being able to understand, like, it's not about how they treated me it's about how i treated how i treat them now in the present because at all that really matters like my brother if i'm mean to my brother he's not gonna remember oh yeah you did this because i was 12. i did this to you because i did something when, when we were kids like no it's like we're in the moment <laughs> like so it's like letting go of that past is like the work i think part of being on the planet is like getting over our childhood <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm glad that you said that because that was my that went into my decision to divorce their father because I thought, you know, there's a chance at love here. And there's a chance that if I go 
if I go be my authentic me instead of being the me that I'm being right now because I'm trying to keep the peace, like keeping the peace by staying in a situation that's not beneficial for anybody doesn't actually keep the peace. It leads to war. So when I left, I, I just, I had a spirit sign, you know, I had the end of the rope. I saw this like big old sheep ship's knot, mm -hmm. you know, like that when you tie your boat up to the dock and it just went pew. And I was like, and I heard this message, that's the end of the rope. And I was like, oh, okay. That's the end of the rope. That's it. Like there is no more. And literally all my feelings about him just went, pew. they disappeared. It just like ended. Right. And I've heard some other women talk about having that experience where when it's over, it's over. Yeah. I got there and I was like, this is over. And not to say I was like perfect. Cause uh, if you read my book, Awakening to Me, you'll see, I in fact was not anywhere close to perfect. I was, I was doing a lot of things to that, that were destroying the marriage at that time. And I knew that it wasn't a healthy dynamic and I knew I wasn't going to get better if I stayed. Mm -hmm. So I left and I started a new life. And within about six months is when I got on my path. So I got led to um, a program called the Quest for Authenticity. Okay. And I thought, I need some of that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I need some authenticity because <laughs> I'm not being very authentic right now. And in that program, I got introduced to um, shamanic healing. Mm -hmm. And I had my first healing and literally the was touched by the divine during that 45-minute session. It was this moment where I just said, what if I suspended my disbelief for just a moment and believe that healing was possible and I could actually heal just for one moment? What if I just suspended all my disbelief and I just said, okay, I'll let it happen. And I did that for just like the fraction of a second and it came in. It was like whew, right over me. And I, I, I remember lying on the floor and telling my teacher practitioner going, I feel there's like this divine being hovering above me right now. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're so sensitive. I'm like, I could completely feel this person love this being loves me. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. I'm loved. Like it was, it was amazing. I had this huge healing, mm -hmm. healed inner child stuff, the first original wound. And um, my innocence got restored to me. And I've been on this journey of healing and bringing this because I mean, after two decades of sitting in weekly psychotherapy sessions, doing what they told me to do and then taking the pills and all that, and it didn't work. I was like, I got to tell people about this healing stuff. Like, <laughs> I cannot keep this to myself. Like that, nobody should have to suffer for decades, you know, talking about something that could, that could actually just change. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I started doing. And of course, everybody in my family thought I was freaking crazy and, um, you know, thought I was nuts as I went out there talking about it. Uh, but I just kept on, you know, I kept on following my heart and doing what I was called to do. And now um, I have a beautiful love partner who is very respectful and honors me and said, you know, lifts me to my highest and says, go for it, bigger, brighter, shine. And we're in this amazing relationship. And so I'm this, I'm having this opportunity. I've had this opportunity over the last five years to demonstrate to my sons, this is what love looks like. Mm -hmm. this is love yeah and that to me was was worth it all i would do it again in a heartbeat it's important i think it's important for kids to see their parents happy you know because 
that's still one of my greatest sadness and my prayers for my mom is that I hope at some, at some life in this lifetime, she at least gets to experience a beautiful relationship because she hasn't so far. And it's sad, you know, that she hasn't, but it's, that's her karma. And that's also her, her, um, her path and her, and all I can do is love her and allow her to live her life. But it's definitely one of my deepest wishes that prayers to God is for her to find love again. So she can have that experience and know what it's like. Yeah. I mean, I, I started reading the the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. That was our text that we worked on that first year. Mm-hmm. And it was it became a path for me as well, like studying these teachings. But one of the things Don Miguel Ruiz says in that book is that we'll allow someone to abuse us to the level that we abuse ourselves, but not more. Mm-hmm. So when you look at your relationship and you see the level of abuse that's in your relationship, just know that you abuse yourself just a little bit more than that. Because you'll only tolerate something up into the level of your own abuse. So as I started looking at that, I was like, wow, like I got to change some things. I, I don't, I don't want to model abuse in my family. I want to model love. And so I had to start looking at things like the triangle of disempowerment. How was I being a victim? How was I being a rescuer? How was I getting in the middle between people's dynamics? How was I not respecting people's sovereignty. How was I perpetrating? Mm -hmm. And then step out of that whole paradigm bit by bit. And it was a process. I mean, it's, it's still something I'm very mindful of to stay in my own lane, like Mm -hmm. stay in my own lane and hold total compassion and love Mm -hmm. without trying to control the outcome, without trying to force other people to be a certain way and just love them where they are. That's a lot of, that's a lot of work to do that because we're so afraid of being hurt and we want to control how other people are going to show up so they don't hurt us. Mm -hmm. So there's this like shift to come into total safety inside with the divine, right? Which I I feel you totally in that shift. Yeah. Cause when you know you're safe because you're held in love with the divine, you're not worried. You're not worried anymore. You're not getting it from out there. It's inside. Yeah, it does. I mean, and that's the ultimate work. It's creating that love relationship to God or the divine energy and creating that as your source of love, that infinite love, that unconditional love. So, and also recognizing the divine in everyone else, right? So seeing the God in everyone and having that compassion for when they're in pain, it's like, yeah, I've been in that pain. I understand that pain and having that ultimate compassion and not being in a place of judgment. And it, but that level of love is definitely, it takes a lot, it takes work to get to that place, you know, because love, we do, are we, we grow, we grow up with this conditional love and we are, oh, and we're so thirsty for love. So, and then, so when you have a little bit of it, you just want to hold on. You're like, no, I can't, you can't leave. I, I, I need it. And then you have to stay on my side. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then that needy love always brings a lot of other crap. It and does, that, doesn't it? Oh my God, that's like one of the biggest lessons I've learned because my last relationship was what I call a needy relationship and I didn't see where I was needy. Mm. Right? That was like the biggest reflection because I, like, I was like, oh my God, this man is so needy. I don't even understand. 
And then once I was able to really, once we broke up and I was really able to dissect that relationship, it really made me see where I was needy, where I wanted this type of um, obsessive love because I felt empty in that aspect of my own being. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like attracts like. Of course, I'm going to meet someone that's a bit more needy than me. So it's an exaggeration of how I feel so I could really see it. Otherwise, how would I have known? Because I would have, I'm so fiercely independent. If you had told me I, I was needy, I would have been like, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, what are you talking about? I'm like the least needy person. But actually I was on a, such a deep level that I didn't even see it to myself. And I think that's one of the magical parts about relationships, even if they're a terrible relationship. They're never good or bad, it just is, but you learn so much about yourself if you allow yourself to really sit in it and allow yourself to love yourself and have compassion for yourself and be like, hey, this was that it wasn't you. You didn't make a bad choice. You're not a bad person. Here is, you know, this is what you've learned and how can you shift and move away from that so you can attract something different. So, yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful share. I mean, that is powerful. I I learned on my journey that um, the more forceful energy, whatever the bigger energy is, is this um, compensatory identity. Mm -hmm. Like it's compensating for something. Mm -hmm. And the, the wounding is actually in the cracked identity in the, in the little child inside. That mm -hmm. is like, how am I going to get love? Right. Because all this is happening on the outside and I can't make it stop. And it's like then this compensatory thing said, well, I just don't need any of it, right? Like, I don't need any of that. So I love that because there's beauty in the independence, there's beauty in the strength, and you demonstrated like amazing beauty in going, you know what, I know there's something underneath here and I'm gonna own that and take 100% responsibility of that. And not in like a, a shaming way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I love that you modeled, like this is like a growth thing, that this is for your your beauty, your your evolution, and your ultimate, like you're doing a podcast, you're a messenger, like you're being the demonstration. I feel like we're called to be the demonstration through our own vulnerability, our own transparency and our own work. Yeah. We're called to be that for other people so they know that there's no fear. Yeah, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. I think no. a lot of, I think love gets um, not necessarily a bad rap, but a lot of people don't want to think about it too much because it's so painful. You know, they're like- it, it is when it doesn't work. It's like, why is love a battlefield? You know, I yeah. was just- I was wanting to play that song the other day, thinking about the father of my children. I'm like, why love is a battlefield? Why is it still a battlefield? Like I left the battlefield a while ago. I don't want that anymore. I think it's a battlefield because it's a battlefield within us. You know, it's like, we want love, but we don't want love. You know, it hurts, but we want it. Like, and everybody wants love. There's nobody that's gonna ever deny that, but they will because they feel like, oh, I don't need it because I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. I don't, I don't, I could be by myself which is further from the truth, really, if they look deep into it, um, we're beings of love. It's impossible for not, us not to want love. It's like saying, I don't wanna breathe. Like you can't live without love in your life. It just be, I mean, babies die if they're not held. I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's, it's like um, we have this opportunity to dive into the advanced curriculum anytime we enter a relationship. Right. You know, <laughs> curriculum. I love it. <laughs> you know, this is the PhD. 
of religion. The, this is the PhD of, <laughs> and you know, I want to say that my my book right before this one was is called The Second Wave: Transcending the Human Drama, uh -huh. and that book has insights for anybody who's like been um, the peacekeeper of your family or been the one that showed up. Like, why are people doing this? You know, like I don't understand. Uh, this doesn't. This is not love. Like, I don't know where this came from. If you're that way and you feel like you've been the more mature one most of the way through your life, you're probably part of the second wave. I mean, I'm looking at Ukraine. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's, part of, she's part of the second wave. Yeah. And uh, that book might be helpful. But it's it's <laughs> it's interesting because we are we are evolving human consciousness right now. I mean, we have been in a cycle for 5,000 or more years of power over others. And we've experienced some extremely painful um, cultural ancestral dynamics around that, familial dynamics, um, people against people, men against women, women against men. I mean, you just like the spectrum, right? We've some extremely painful things and we've learned from those things, but now we're, you know, there's other lessons to learn. It's like, we've all been sitting around the family dining table playing Monopoly for 5,000 years. And now we're going to play another game. Like, so as we move out of that game, of like, how do I get more power over others by collecting and amassing um, control and domination over things? We're going to be moving into how do I um, expand myself by um, relating to myself and others, right? So it's all about relationships. Right. So some of us are on the vanguard of that because we're meant to lead those conversations. So such as, you know, you're a messenger and you were called to get out there and speak. That's how I easily identify you. Like that's who you are. So, you know, we're, we're here to spread messages. In order to do that, we've got to be doing it from a healed place, which means we got to do our personal work. Mm -hmm. And the conversation on earth is like, it's moving away from um, whatever looks good on the outside. As long as it looks good, we're good. You know, it's a spiritual teaching, right? As long as it looks good out there, we're good. And two, people are like, no, I want to know that you're actually walking your talk. Like, are you full of crap? Like, do you say one thing out here, but then go do something else in your family? Or are you like doing it everywhere? And we're being called to be congruent. So love is fierce. And she's calling us up to be congruent in every aspect. Mm -hmm. And it, she doesn't tolerate like even the tiny nuance of not congruent is going to get it's going to get refined. It's going to get caressed into <laughs> compliance. <laughs> you know, yeah. like? I, I, call, I think of, I think of what you're saying as like the tightrope. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm walking on this tightrope. Like I don't, there's no place where I can really allow myself to go into that place of darkness or judgment or something. Cause that's just not where I want to be. So even the tiniest thing becomes so big. Yes. And so it's just been interesting to just watch how my life unfolds because since I've been called to do this and this is what I want to do, then it's like life is like, oh, you want to be a loving person? Here's a messed up situation. Here's a traffic jam. Here's a, somebody that's really rude to you. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's an advanced curriculum. Yeah. And that, that, that voice, it's not fair voice. It really, it can come up. Yeah. You know, like it's, it shouldn't be this way and it's not fair. And I understand that. I definitely have had those feelings. 
<laughs> and especially I get, you know, and my mama bear gets triggered too. And that I could be like mad for other people, you know, <laughs> like that's yeah. not fair. And I could be like out there with my fist shaking and whatever, but I've had to go, okay. If, if I truly have faith, if I truly believe that I'm in an all loving presence, that's teaching me and refining me and evolving me and helping me to grow, then I have to believe that that is my medicine. Whatever's happening to me is my medicine mm -hmm. and whatever's happening to others is their medicine. And if I want to help, the way to help is to listen and be present and be a stand for love for every person. That's it. That's what it is. <laughs> that's it. And getting to that's it is a lot of work. It <laughs> so, is. It is. Yeah. It's like, and it never stops. No. Um, so let's get into the infinite love questions. And yes. so the first one we've been talking about this the whole time, but how do you use love in your work? Love is my driving force. Love is my medicine for me and for others that comes through me to others, but it's also for me. And love guides me. And sometimes love asks me to do things that I don't rationally think make sense. And I am called to follow love in every case. So it's my guiding force. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. How do you use, how do you, how is your work used to serve humanity? Couple ways actually, um, being a messenger is a way that I serve humanity with my work. And certainly, um, if that was my only way of being in service, sometimes I would get myself a little frustrated because, you know, as you know, as a messenger, it's, you're always looking at your numbers, like who's listening and how many people and all this kind of stuff. Right. So luckily that's not my only way. Cause right. I know that, um, as I do my work, I'm affecting a lot of people on the planet by doing my work. Mm-hmm. And I want to share this message because it actually might help people that are listening who also feel like they want to be in great service. And um, one of the messages I got was that if I, if I trace back my DNA far enough, like through ancestral work, I can find a spot in like 1500 blah, 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 something where I was, uh, had an English ancestor. Okay. And then that person, then if I go from their point of view and I look forward to my life, I can see that all the people that are alive today that share ancestry with this person. So therefore in my body, I'm connected with probably a billion people on the planet, something like that. Mm -hmm. I could imagine that to be true. That means as I do my work in my vessel, in my body, I'm helping my ancestry seven generations forward and back. All those people are also my ancestors. Right. So I can touch a billion people when I do one ceremony to heal something within myself on behalf of all. And I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. That is one of the things I use to motivate myself too. When we were talking about the shadow work is mm -hmm. that every time I go through something really deep, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going through this, but I'm also going through this for my family and for others and other people that are going through the same experience. So it's not just becomes about me. It becomes about the greater whole. Like I'm helping other people going when I go through this painful situation. Yes. We're in it together. Right. We're all one. So like, if you're going through something, I'm going through something. And if I work through something, I can also help you. And it doesn't, there's no separation between what you're going through, and what I'm going through. And there's a beautiful quote by Rumi that says, um, you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. 
Right. And I think if we knew that about ourselves, like really knew yeah. that, we'd know that whatever we're seeing out there is actually in here. And right. since it's in here, you can do something about it. Right. Exactly. 100%. What does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? For me to be a positive force of goodness, it really means um, not stepping over anything. So if there's, I like to be a demonstration that um, happiness is a result of honesty with yourself. It's true joy. Happiness is not like mantraing over real pain that's being suppressed inside your being because you don't want to face it. Real, true joy is bringing light to all those dark places within, mm -hmm. feeling it to heal it and being a whole person and embracing the whole journey that you came here and you had. So, yeah, I used to be a champion of like lifting the energy through, you know, artificial happiness. And it's only sustainable for a short period of time, I found. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't last. And the only way is to face all the hard things that you don't want to face. That's, that's the way to true joy. 100%. What do you love most about your life? Mm. I love dancing with the divine. And I just, I love these podcasts because I feel the divine moving through me all the time on these podcasts. It feels really yummy. Mm -hmm. I love to see, um, I love the playful dance with the divine. Like when I, when I really speak from my heart and I, I claim something for myself and then it shows up, that's fun. And I just love being with my husband and my kids. Like my family is really important to me. And I love to see my family healing through love. Beautiful. Mm. How do you feel you receive love? I am learning to receive it more and more and more. And I've learned that because um, I like to give it. I think a lot of us like to give love. Like we like to, to be a conduit of other people receiving. And I've learned that I can actually give even more if I allow myself to receive. And so I've been learning and expanding my own channel to, to allow myself to receive, not to hold on to, but just to receive and allow it to pass through me. Mm -hmm. And that's um, been a huge gift. And it's been, um, it's been really healing because like many of us um, might become aware during the healing journey of other lifetimes where we made mistakes or feel like we made mistakes in this lifetime. It's a big healing to say yes to the divine and to say, okay, I see you're giving me a second chance. Okay. I receive that. Yeah. That's beautiful. When do you feel you receive love? All the time. Except if I'm pushing it out. If I get into my mind, and I let my shadow of opinion and judgment, I have those two shadows. They are a team, let me tell you. <laughs> opinion and judgment. If I let them rule my day and get into my mind about it, I can make up a zillion stories about how the world is all wrong, you know? Yeah. And then I'm not so much in my love. And I have to remind myself to go, okay, thank you for pointing that out, beautiful mind. Mm -hmm. Thank you for showing me where some more perfection could happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to breathe and see that I'm coming from a myopic view and I'm not going to argue with my greatest teacher that everybody needs these perspectives and lessons. So, okay. You know, and I let love in Yeah. and re-guide me. 
<laughs> realign me back to a better space. <laughs> okay. Um, and where has love created a miracle in your life? Oh, my mom, like my connection with my mom, like healing that relationship. And I'm now experiencing unconditional love for my mom. And it's like, wow, like, and she's done it. She's a couple of times. She's acted from her shadows, like since we've been together. She, yeah. I mean, who, who can't, you know, like we all do. Right. Right. But a couple of times she's gone into that and I'm like, and I felt a little resonance of the old and I was like, oh, wow. Then I was like, oh, this is my mom. This is so great. And I just had this moment of shift within me that I was like recognizing her on her soul's journey and like just totally accepting this person that took on that curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I, un I unconditionally love my mother. I promised I would and I do. That's the coolest thing. That's amazing. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> and I fulfilled my, my promise to my dad, which means the world to me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I love your story and your energy. And your book is called Love is Fierce. And how can people find more information about you and get more in touch with the work that you're doing in the world? Yeah, absolutely. So my website has all the details, carriehummingbird.com. That's K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. It has all my books up there, The Love is Fierce, The Second Wave, Awakening to Me. And also, it has my Soul Nectar podcast, which I've invited you to be on. So we'll hear your story on my podcast. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that. And it has information just about um, the programs I offer to help people deepen their roots and have their own medicine and, and heal this mother wound. Beautiful. This is so wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm sending you so much love. And again, I appreciate your time and your energy on being on the show today. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.